Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 111, Simple Blocks, Massive Creation. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor, sorry, and today I have the honor to have Stim as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you, Alex? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, we're talking about a video game that I've played a long time ago and I still enjoy today for the simplicity, but the complexity at the same time. So I'm really pumped up for this episode. Great. Well, I can't wait to talk more about it. Perfect. Uh, instead of just jumping right in, as I never do, I always do a little two things first. The first thing is to ask, who is Stim? Right. So I'm a, a Minecraft player who's been playing Minecraft for, gosh, well, probably seven years now. Um, I reside in the UK and Minecraft's really been a way for me to, you know, talk to friends, stay in contact and, uh, you know, meet new people online. That's perfect. And yeah, it's it's a fun game. It, I, when I first played it the first time, I didn't think, oh, this is simple. But then it's like, oh, it's pretty addictive and pretty fun. And the, uh, the things you can do, I'm jumping way ahead of the gun. I know you have more to say about this than I do. And uh, before we do that, do you have any social media links or websites or even projects you have that you want to share with the audience? So I, I think the main link would be um, the the subreddit of the server that we're going to be talking about today, which is reddit.com r slash civclassics. So that's uh, C-I-V and then classics, C-L-A-S-S-I-C-S. Um, and, th- and that's the, the, the central uh, subreddits where everyone on the server talks. So that would be the main website. Perfect. I'll put that in the description below so people can go check it out and, you know, see some cool, massive and beautiful creations. Exactly. Perfect. Now, you don't just do Minecraft by just playing Minecraft. You go into more detail. So what kind of gameplay do you do? Right. So um, Civ Classics is a server that concentrates on what's known as the, the Civ genre, the civilization genre. And what we do is we have a range of plugins on the server that ensure that the gameplay that we do is more than just basic Minecraft. It's more political. So when players join, they're encouraged to join nations or form their own nations. And the the server stimulates trade. It stimulates domestic production. It stimulates role play all through these different plugins and, and modifications to the game which means that over time, empires grow, players develop political ideologies, wars emerge, trade occurs. And so it's almost a reflection of real world ideologies within the game. And for the wars that do emerge, do they follow the guidelines or is it like a, a free for all, anything could happen? Um, so in general, the server has no real rules. Um, so theoretically, you could do whatever. Um, the, the plugins that are on the server are relatively limited and they're limited to protecting blocks. And even the way that they protect blocks is relatively limited. So you use this plugin called the Citadel, Citadel plugin, like a castle, where you're able to uh, what is called reinforce blocks. So you take either stone, iron, or diamond, and you click on a block that you just placed, and that way it becomes stronger and more difficult to break. So you could build a city, reinforce it all in stone, and when someone else comes in, they'll have trouble breaking it. But if theoretically you were to come online with a bunch of friends and declare war on a city, you could spend some time and actually completely wipe out all of the citizens and break all of the blocks. So no, there are, except for not being able to hack, there are no real rules or guidelines. And on that note, have you ever went to gone to war in minecraft and attacked somebody else um i've never attacked anyone else <laughs> because i'm a i'm a, a pacifist but my nations on this iteration and on past servers have been attacked um and it's quite a nasty business because there's this central plugin in addition to the citadel plugin which is the uh, prison pearl plugin and what it does is that if you kill someone with an ender pearl in your hotbar 
it allows you to trap that pearl in the to trap that person in the ender pearl and they get sent to the end dimension in minecraft and unless one of your friends kills that person and retrieves the pearl you are now stuck in minecraft oh, wow so just as in real life if i were to you know kill someone in the wall they won't respawn so in order to emulate that in game and to avoid people constantly respawning when you're trying to evade a territory or a city, they get sent to the end until they're freed by their friends. And that could take years. So it, it, it's quite a nasty business. Um, I have been attacked in the past and I've even been pearled in the past. And when that happened, we had a coalition of nations come along and they had to hunt down the people who pearled me and break into their bunkers and free me. But it took a long time. Wow, that is so complex and so interesting. I, this, I know I'm jumping the gun on the organization of my questions, but before I forget, I want to ask when you first or this first server first came out, was it like relatively peaceful and everybody understood each other and just follow the rules? And as it developed, there's more people doing, let's say, robbery or people just being more mischievous and stuff like that. Like it just reflected what society is nowadays. So I, I, I should clarify that I've played on a few of these servers because I've now played this genre for almost six, seven years. And every three years, a new server rises up, everyone goes there, and then it shuts down after three years, or the world gets reset or whatever. But if there's one constant theme that I've seen in every single server, it's that when the server launches and everyone joins for the first time, if you're amongst the first people online, it is a complete and total war. It is man <laughs> against man, brother against brother, alliances don't exist, nation states don't exist. And for people who come online wanting to form nation states, they realize that if there's one thing they need, it's territory. So I'd actually argue that the server is more aggressive at the beginning because you need to make sure that you get the land that you need and that you claim the territory that you need and you will do anything to stop other people from claiming that territory. So I think overall, that at the beginning especially, it's very aggressive. And then over time, it mellows out and then there's a big war and everyone comes back for another one. So... Um, no, but at the beginning, it's definitely a, a state of nature where everyone fights against each other. And speaking about beginning, it's an odd segue, but how did you actually get introduced to Minecraft and not only Minecraft, but Minecraft world building? So I originally played Minecraft with a bunch of friends at high school. One friend owned the game, set up his own server, and I joined. And that's now almost eight years ago. So I think that that's really the, the beginning of, of my time there. Then the Civ genre specifically was when I saw some advertisements for Civcraft, which was the original server in the genre. And, um, and I saw some advertisements and it was very simple. It was a political compass with, you know, um, liberal right and, and authoritarian right and liberal left, et cetera. And every part of the compass had a picture of a city that represented that ideology. So there was a communist city with concrete structures. There was an authoritarian right city, which reflected, I believe, Prussia. And there was a, a a liberal right city, which was, you know, the, the skyscrapers of New York. And, and these people have kind of built their cities in line with the architectural styles that kind of reflected that. And and I was very much into architecture and I like politics. I, I studied politics um, at university. So it was a real combination of politics, architecture and Minecraft, which pulled me into the genre. And speaking of which, what is your preferred Minecraft theme to play in? Because you were talking about you've tried out all these different things. Is there one that you prefer, whether it's time period or region around the world? Yeah, so on all the servers I've played, I've, I've tried different things. We switch from, uh, you know, neoclassical to medieval. But, but the current iteration that we play on is, I think, my favorite, which is that we've started a city called Passem, which is kind of based in the early 20th century. Think 1910s, 1920s. And our city is built using um, Art Deco skyscrapers, uh, Beaux-Arts libraries, and it really tries to reflect that 
gilded age that you see in the in the great gatsby between the 1890s and the 1920s so there's a lot of art deco a lot of skyscrapers uh, and 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 in order to reflect that further the political stance of our city is this sort of utopian capitalist no tax no government intervention and it, it's supposed to be a utopia but in some ways you know some people describe it as a dystopia um, and i think that that's my favorite architectural setting and and time setting and uh, this wasn't a question written down, but I've, I don't know if you've ever seen these videos of, uh, is it NVIDIA using, using the RTX lighting and making the stones look more realistic and stuff like that just due to lighting? Did you ever try that out for your creations or you're just like the classic yes, Minecraft yes. style? No. So, um, so usually most players on the server play just on classic Minecraft without shaders as they're known. Um, because, you know, if you constantly use the RTX lighting mod and shaders mods, it, it can lag at your game. But often for um, advertisements, we take pictures of the city using RTX mods and shaders mods and even renders where we download parts of the world and render them in a specific program. And when you do that, it's very intriguing. For those interested, they can visit the, um, the wiki, which again is linked on the subreddit. And if you look at those pictures, it almost looks from a distance, if you kind of squint your eyes, like a real city. And, and and the intriguing thing is, is that it isn't just the blocks and it's not just the buildings, but the politics as well very much reflect real life. So yes, that's one of my favorite things to do. I could just imagine for half a second, like you created something like, wow, this is beautiful. And when you turn on the shaders on, you're like, wow, this is what I created. This is something different. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And because you live in a city with actual players who own actual shops and live in houses, it really does feel like you live in the living world because our city, some people choose to build monuments, you know, enormous skyscrapers or statues or houses, which are empty. But within our city specifically, we have a real preference for people building in a way that it's actually used. So we avoid empty skyscrapers. Most of our skyscrapers are filled with apartments or uh, factories or, or, or libraries. And so when you walk through town, you see, you know, the other 10 people walking through town. And there's people buying items, people selling items, and there's people reading books in the library, et cetera, et cetera. It really does feel like a living city. And that's the best part of the whole game. And do you remember the first thing you've ever created? Or like, did you ever take a picture of it or you just said, oh, I created it. It's in the past. I'm never going to touch it again. The first thing I created was probably just a, a bad house, just a bad wooden <laughs> shack, most likely. I think that's the same for every Minecraft player. And even on these servers, you know, you just have to get your house down and to defend yourself. And, and that's it. Yeah. I think for me, it was like just a dirt house, not even a wood house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a couple blocks. Or a just hole a, in the ground. Yeah, exactly. A hole in the ground. You put a block on top of your head just to protect yourself from the spiders. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And have you, how many things have you actually built? If you can keep count of all the things you've built. That's a difficult one. Um, <laughs> if I look at the, so if I currently look at the, the city that, that we've now built on the server, on the Civ Classic server, we have, you know, uh, numerous skyscrapers we have uh, uh, two libraries we have probably 20 shops we have a train station we're currently working on an olympic stadium we have canals with boats in them so you know that city alone has already taken about two three years of work because the server launched in june 2017. if i were to look at the overall archive of all things that i've built together with my friends over the years oh i, I don't even want to know i don't even want to think about it. probably hundreds <laughs> of buildings but also on that note, because um, cities change so often, buildings get torn down and new ones are built. Do you guys build your cities reflecting actual real life cities? So let's say a new building is built in a place where an old building was. Do you do that or do you keep it? Um, so that depends on the city. In our city, we have more than enough space. We're located in a, a pretty flat desert. So we usually just build a new skyscraper. 
Um, if an old design, if we, if we realize later that an old design is bad, we will take it down and replace it. But there are cities which take the, the real life effect into consideration far more. And that is when you, there's a specific city on the server called Yoatol, and they're located on a, a smaller island. And they decided at the very start of the server that their main focus would be defense. So the whole city and island is surrounded by a massive wall and a massive moat. And in order to get in, you need to be accepted into certain groups. But as a result, inside the city, there's very limited space. So everyone gets a small plot to build, and you can build a shop or a house. But if you don't log on for two weeks, or if they see that your shop hasn't been refilled, or that you've been that you haven't been an active member of the community, they will rip down your house. And if you look at at that city. And you look at pictures from two years ago and now, very few buildings haven't changed or haven't been replaced. So by, by concentrating on a smaller area, they were able to, in a sense, preserve the, this real life, the, 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 the sense that, that buildings do get replaced in real life. So yes, yes and no, I guess. And for those players who can build those little houses, do they have unlimited resources or do they have to purchase the resources at the shops? So the server is in survival. So everything has to be done uh, by hand. So you have to dig. If you want to use wood, you have to go chop trees. And if you want to use stone, you have to go mine stone, etc. cetera. Um, but naturally, in every city, there will be shops that sell blocks. So within Passem, our city, we have around five shops that sell blocks. And usually when a new player arrives, I'll give them some iron, which is the in-game currency, and they can you know, start buying some materials. Um, and then they can start building. Now, every city has different regulations as to what you can build. So there's a few cities where you could just arrive, you get a plot, and you build whatever you want, whether it's a skyscraper, whether it's a hot dog stand, whether it's a house made of dirt or a, or a, a temple made of gold. And other cities which stick to a particular theme, like our city, we encourage players to first come onto our creative server to design the house in creative. We help them out with the process because not a lot of people are familiar with you know, the 1920s Art Deco style. And once we say that that's a, a good first step, they come online onto the actual server and they rebuild it there. And I'm, I'm going way off track, but my mind works in a very odd way. But is it possible in your server to hire contractors? So yes. Can, oh, that's awesome. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're, the economy very much reflects the real life economy. In fact, one of the biggest markets on these kind of servers are bounty hunters. So you pay someone. If you see that someone has broken into your house, you pay someone, usually a, an experienced pvp -er, they will hunt that person down and hand you their pearl. And then you have that person imprisoned and you can put them in your bunker or whatever. And so people get hired in for everything, for mercenaries during wars, for uh, building large monuments, for hunting other people down, or even just to produce alcohol. There's an in-game um, alcohol plugin. So whenever there's a big event, you know, a PvP event or or an in-game event, and usually we will, as a city, pay for someone to come over with a bunch of alcohol, then people could play, drink that in-game. And when you do drink the alcohol, for example, um, and you type something in chat, it actually jumbles up your words. So even that has a real effect. So the server in every way is a reflection of real life. You know, a few weeks ago, there was a debate in one of the cities and, and a, a, a terrorist came along and he blew up the opera house in which the debate was being held and several people you know, lost all of their items or were pearled, et cetera. So in, in every single way, the server is a reflection of real life. Do weather like storms and tornadoes or earthquake, I don't know if that feature is included, but would that be something you'd be interested in to have in the server if it doesn't exist? So we don't currently have that. I think it would be very interesting. I, I did play on a server a while back where they had temperature. So if you walked into the desert, you had to take off your, your armor so that you wouldn't die. And similarly, if you went to a snowy biome, you would have to put on armor. 
But something that we do currently have on the server is a plugin called Realistic Biomes, which means that not every plant grows in every biome. So if you go onto normal Minecraft and you take a carrot, it doesn't matter where you go. You could go into a desert, you can go into a tundra biome, you can go into a mountain or into the sea, and you will always be able to plant that carrot. On Civ Classics, it's built such that certain biomes will naturally favor certain plants. For example, if you want to produce cactus, that will grow in the desert. But if you live in a snowy biome, you will not be able to produce cactus. And one of the biggest developments of that is the fact that if a nation needs a crop that they can't grow domestically, they will have to import it. So it facilitates trade, just like in real life, I guess. I'm just picturing it in my head right now, but I'm sure it's much more beautiful and much more massive than whatever I could imagine in this tiny head. <laughs> it is fantastic, honestly. I don't know about your tiny head, but it is fantastic. <laughs> and speaking about being fantastic, where do you usually tend to get your inspiration for new creations? Gosh, um, I am pretty much obsessed with the 1920s and the and the 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 period before that. So on whether I'm on Instagram or Facebook or Reddit, I will always be subscribed or I will always always be following some sort of individual who posts pictures from the 1920s. Um, so, you know, when in a day I've seen five pictures of the Chrysler building come by, I slowly start to get inspired and build a new, you know, skyscraper. But in many ways, it also just reflects what we need in town. So, for example, when um, a lot more citizens come in and we have, when we have high levels of immigration, we realize that we need new apartments. So, you know, you need new apartments, you start looking at pictures online, you start developing some of your own ideas, and then within a week, we'll have a whole new apartment block where we can welcome all of these new players. So again, I mean, it's very much based on needs um, and what you personally love. And, and, it, and in many ways, people are not constrained at all. If you love Chinese architecture, you could come online and you can join a nation, I'm sure there is one, which specializes in Chinese architecture. And if there isn't one, you can find an empty plot of land somewhere. We have a world map online where everyone publishes their claims. And you can find an empty plot of land or you can build your Chinese city. So you like to focus on the 1920s. Does your outfits, the characters' skins reflect that as well? Or people just wear whatever they want? Um, well, we don't have regulations for them, but you'll be happy to know that uh, my friends and I, the, the close-knit community within Passem, we all wear suits. Man, I'm going to have to take a deeper look into this. And do you upload any of this to YouTube or anywhere like we can just like see a tour of the city? Right. So the, the, the best place is probably the subreddit, which again is r slash Civ Classics. Um, we personally haven't posted any videos. Other nations have. Um, but we do produce a lot of posters. We post pictures. And more specifically, we have a newspaper called the, the Liberty Gazette in line with our you know libertarian thinkers. And there we post updates about the city. We talk about upcoming elections. We talk about new structures being built, et cetera. So the best bet is to go to the subreddit, to have a look at the newspapers that we publish and other people publish, to look at the updates, screenshots, whatever. So all information is there. And from there, you'll also be able to uh, find the link to the wiki page, which we have. And from there, every single nation has their own wiki page with their own pictures and their own information. I'm blown away. You have even a newspaper to go with this. So it ha that has to lead me to the next question of do, do everybody have like, does everybody have a career or a job? And if so, do you go through an interview process to get hired to work for a company? <laughs> so there are companies on the server and a lot of companies are run by individuals. So for example, to produce XP on the server, you need certain items. It's not like vanilla. You put it in a factory and out comes XP. 
And in order to produce XP, you need large amounts of agricultural produce. You need wheat, cactus, etc. And because no single nation, or it's very difficult for a single nation to specialize into um, XP because it's such a varied level of, or because you need so many different ingredients, usually people will import. So there are many, many companies on the server who produce just cactus, and they will export cactus to everyone. Then there's a lot of companies on the server which do transport. So you pay someone to pick up items and to transport them to another city and to protect those items. I've even heard of insurance companies. So, so there, there's a ton of companies, um, and, and the insurance companies can insure entire cities so that if you get attacked, you know you can talk to your insurance guy and he will help you rebuild the city. Um, and some of those companies, I'm sure, will require interviews because you never know who you can trust on these servers. Because before you know, you hire someone to be your, your transporter to, to move your bulk items from one city to the next, and he disappears with all your items and sells them on some sort of black market elsewhere. So I myself run a company in Passem, which is a, a property company called Emperor Enterprises. And we own a variety of shops and a variety of buildings, which we rent out to shopkeepers and to people coming into the city. Um, but we've never actually hired any people outside of the, uh, the core group of friends that I have because, you know, we, we do everything ourselves. But I'm more than sure that there are interviews or that there are certain ways for people to, to make sure that the people that they're hiring are actually, you know, straight shooters. And does it ever happen sometimes there are protests when there's a disagreement? Yes, absolutely. So I remember on the original Civcraft server, there was a city called Carbon. And I'm sure that if any of the original players there are listening, they're probably going to say that I'm, I'm wrong here, but I'm going to try and recall it as best as I can. Carbon was producing something which required bread, a huge quantity of bread. And one of their main domestic um, producers was wheat. So that was fine. But the problem was, was that domestic consumption of bread was far higher than was sustainable because they needed the bread to produce an item, but at the same time, all of the citizens were eating bread throughout the day to sustain themselves. So the government decided at the time that no one was allowed to eat bread and that all bread production should be geared towards the production of, I think it was XP. And so, you know, in part, it, it, it's role play and to an extent, people were serious about it, but there were protests on the street and there was a sort of citizen's revolution regarding the fact that the government had banned people from eating bread. And in my own city as well, only a few weeks ago, our city was traditionally run by a small council of unelected individuals. And a few citizens decided that actually that maybe wasn't representative of the time, wasn't representative of the 1920s. So there was almost a, a citizen's revolt where I logged on one morning and there was suddenly a new skyscraper in town built by the so-called Green Faction, which was a political party. And they demanded that elections took place. So now I'm glad to inform that um, as of next Saturday, the first elections will be taking place in Passam and, and the whole political system has changed because of these protests. That is so cool. I love, it's like a mini civilization in a computer. That's, I, I love how it just reflects real life. I, I know I'm just describing what you've been describing in like very short words, but I mean, it's, I'm blown away. The more you tell me about it, the more I'm amazed. And like every question I ask, you're like, yep, that exists. I'm like, Alex, I was going to ask Alex. No, no, Alex, that, that does exist. I'm like, wow, okay. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like I don't even have to ask you any more questions, but of course I'm going to do it because, you know, I'm curious. Uh, Go right ahead. <laughs> so for you, uh, what are some do's and don'ts when it comes to playing in the server such as yours? Well, there's one central rule, in my opinion. It's that might makes right. In the sense that if you have an army of 20 friends who are geared up to the teeth, you could do whatever you want, just as in real life, you know? If, if an army appeared in the middle of London 
you know, 20,000 guys with, with guns or whatever, they could take over London. And similarly, you could do the same in this game. But if you turn up with your one friend and you each have an iron shovel and you come into a city and you say, this is now ours, <laughs> you will simply get pearled. <laughs> so in many ways, you know, you could do whatever you want, but of course you have to be careful because a lot of people take this game pretty seriously. You know, you shouldn't come online and grease cities if you don't want to be imprisoned. If you just want to come online and troll, which is more than allowed, that's fine. But do know that there will be bounty hunters, there will be armies, and there will be individuals hunting you down. And and a lot of cities have actual judicial systems, you know, where, where you get brought front you get brought in front of a judge who's elected in some cities who's appointed in other cities and they will um, give you a sentence and that could be you know a week or a month or 12 months and you will get imprisoned for that amount of time so anything you can do on the server is technically allowed and an admin will never intervene unless you're cheating but the player base will intervene I should just stop the episode right now and just watch you play. Just a live stream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like everything I'll have as a question will just pop up on the screen. Like, yep, you're doing that. And uh, for you, what would you say is the best part about playing a Minecraft world building server on a personal and emotional level? I think the best part is the fact that you can try out ideologies which you never would be able to in real life. So, for example, if you decided one day that you wanted to become, I don't know, a, a communist, you could go onto the server, create a communist city, and try it out. Everyone shares their resources, everyone builds together. And, you know, in, in real life, you couldn't go to, I don't know, you couldn't go to Texas and start your own commune and declare independence from the US. You know, that would end in a very bad way, I'm sure. But here, if you want to become, you know, a libertarian and start your utopia, or you want to become a you know, you want to go back to the Prussian age and start your own Prussian empire with an emperor and whatever. You can do exactly that. So I think the, the, the best part of the game is the freedom that's associated with it. You can do whatever you want. You can come online and become a warlord. You can become an entrepreneur. You can work for people. You can become um, elected president in some countries. Or you can come in, stage a coup, take over the country, make it yours. You can name the country whatever you want. So I think in short, it's just the freedom. And in many ways, the freedom that you don't have in real life. Because in real life, most of us, I mean, I, I don't know about your average viewer, average listener, but most of us won't start our own country. Most of us will, will never declare independence. And most of us will never stage a coup um, or even become president, you know? And, and of course, we all have ambitions, but this is the game and this is the genre where you can actually make that happen. Another random question. Have you ever tried it VR? So you're like a first person view of the player and you're like, you can move around with your head. So I don't think Minecraft actually has VR compatibility. If it does, I'm, I'm very wrong, but I personally have never tried it. But again, I, I'm sure that that would only enhance the experience and, you know, make it feel, you know, even more real. Yeah, hopefully there's no sensors of like if you get hit, like, ah, in the back of the head or something. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would not be pleasant. No, not at all. For you, what was your biggest challenge when you first started playing in a Minecraft world building server? I think the biggest challenge for anyone joining is, well, I think there's two challenges. I think first of all, when you join, there's a lot of information because a lot of stuff has changed from the original vanilla Minecraft. You know, you you don't go mining and you get XP. Instead, you have to produce XP in factories. You can't just build wherever you want because before you know it, in fact, the first time I logged on, I remember I, I, I logged in and I thought, this is great. There's a field here. I built a house. And the next day I came back and the house was gone. And I turned around and there was a guy behind me and he instantly killed me because little did I know that I was building my little house in someone's nation. You know, just as how I'm sure that if you were to go to any country on earth, put a signpost in the middle of the field and say, this is now my country, the army would also show up or at least a policeman. So 
I, I think when you initially log on, there's a lot of information. And I think that the best solution for that is to join a nation. You know, if you type in, in chat or you go onto the subreddit, you say, hi, I'm new, I want to join a nation. There'll be, you know, 10 nations who want new people coming in. And then you join one of these communities, they explain all the plugins, they explain how it works. And by gaining experience then, you can then start your own nation or you become, can become president of the nation they're in. The second biggest challenge, I think, is that when you're a more experienced player and you've played these servers before or, or you're confident enough to start your own nation and you log on to a new iteration or a new server that's just launched, I think the biggest decision you make is what kind of theme you want. Do you want to become you know, a, a tropical island where you have you know, martinis all day sitting on the beach and you build a little resort? Or do you want to become an industrialist, you know, 1920s Germany, you know, or do you want to become, you know, there are so many options. And in many ways, the, the, the first choice that you make will often reflect that for the rest of the server. So if you decide on day one that you're going to have a nation with democratic elections and people join you and actually after a month you decide eh, maybe democratic elections aren't that great, you know, you're going to have real trouble convincing the rest of the people that you should now be their god emperor for the rest of the server. So it's a big decision to take. And when you do when you do join a new server, is there like a probation period for like the people to say, okay, well, well, we do want to keep you in our nation, or after I don't know three months, you know what, you've just been causing so much trouble, hacking or doing other stuff that we're going to kick you out. So, um, so first of all, if you hack, the admins will just get rid of you, and then there's plenty of modifications and plugins to ensure that if people hack, that they're automatically kicked. Now, when you log on to a server, you join a nation, or one of the many, I mean, tens or hundreds that are out there. Some nations will say, okay, great, you've arrived. Um, welcome to the group. Start building, do whatever you want. Other nations will say, well, okay, you're a new player. We don't know whether we can trust you because for all they know, you're a raider or you're going to kill everyone. So they put you onto a sort of probation period. We have one in, in our city, which is three days. And if after three days, you've shown that you contribute, et cetera, then we add you to the, to the groups and you could do whatever you want. Other cities or, or other groups work in a very small, tight-knit community of maybe only four players. And they may not even have a real nation, but more work more like a like a death squad. You know, there, there are people who all they have is a bunker somewhere on the ground in a very small claimed area, and they spend their life building up that bunker, building up their tools so that, you know, when the, t when the day comes, they can go out and they can wage war and win everything, you know. So it totally depends on the play style of the nation that you're joining. Maybe I'll join. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'll be a good fit, but you know. I mean, anyone can, <laughs> but I, I should say for those people who do want to join, we're currently updating from 1.12.2, that, that's a version of Minecraft, to 1.14.4. And the updates happened on Saturday. So there's a few issues still to sort out. So it may be the case, I mean, hopefully by the time this is released, that won't be the case, but it may be the case that when you look at the um, online multiplayer screen, that the server is currently down because it's undergoing maintenance. But again, the best source of information always is to go onto the subreddit, see what's going on there. And yeah, anyone can join, including you, Alec. Yes, yes, I'm invited. Uh, if I do join and if and when, I will make sure to respect the law and I do not want to get hit with a pearl, if that's the correct yeah. term. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, so that was your biggest challenge or the biggest challenge for people joining a server or a nation. So what is your current biggest challenge? So I, I think every every city always, and even the server as a whole, always struggles with recruitment because it doesn't matter how popular the server is. You know, next week another server emerges, and a few people will move there, and then more people will, etc. Now, currently, there's a few other servers popping up, but I would still say that the majority of players are still on Civ Classics. And so one of the reasons I also reached out to you, except for of course sharing my hobby, <laughs> is to you know share the server with other people. 
Now, for us specifically in our city, it's that we want to make sure that new play, people coming in actually have a good time and actually join the city. Because what, what, what the, the problem that that's currently going on is that there are some groups on the server, some raider groups, and as soon as they see someone you log in, they'll, they'll message them and they'll say, hey, I'm going to give you some free stuff. Meet me here and here. They meet them there and there, and then they get pulled. Because these people, you know, and, and, and in a way, what they're doing is not against the rules because they're not hacking. And, and you know, maybe in real life, there are some examples of people who just, you know, go out and just murder people. And, and you know, they don't really have an incentive. They don't really have a motive. But their source of fun is just to make sure that anyone who's new Im- immediately gets imprisoned. And of course, over time, alliances have formed to get rid of those people. But, you know, it's very hard to track these people down. Um, so I think that that's a general issue of the overall genre. And it doesn't matter what, you know, server you join, that will always be the case. But I think for individual cities like ours, it's convincing people that you're the best one. Because, you know, you come online and not only do you have to find someone who's interested in your ideology and interested in your architectural play style, but when you do find someone who's interested in those things, you also have to make sure that they travel across the world to join you. Don't come across a better nation in the meantime and and actually make it there. Because, you know, for all you know, they could just die on the way, respawn elsewhere and then say, you know what, I'm actually not going to come back. Um, so it's it's recruitment, I'd say. And this is a really stupid question, but does it exist in your server or any server dual citizenship or dual nationship, if that's a word? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, again, it depends on the nations. Some nations will forbid you from having other loyalties, so to say, because, you know, what happens the day that your nation declares war on the other nation? Um, but many, many, many places have dual citizenship and many citizens of my city of Pasem have dual citizenship and they have houses in multiple locations and and most cities are connected by rail. There's this thing called the Great Overland Rail, which was built by a, a civilization in, in our quadrant of the map. And they've built rails from our city to one city over to the next. And you can just sit on the rail and you can travel anywhere you want. So immigration and moving between cities is easy. But of course, if your region t- turns into a war zone, you have to watch out, you know, moving between places. So yes, is the answer. There, there is dual citizenship. And that's not a dumb question at all, honestly. Hopefully this is not a dumb question either. Yeah, so far you said none of my questions are dumb, so that's good. Has there ever been anything in the server that you wanted to create, but it's quite hard to replicate in the Minecraft server? Yes, actually. The, the central theme that is often brought up by myself and by other players is some sort of UN, some sort of central organization where the the, the, the quote-unquote good guys of the server all come together and say, look, th- this is our stance. This is what we're going to do when a nation attacks. This is what we're going to do when, when you know, raiders log on, when innocent people get pearled, etc. The problem is, is that unlike in real life, it's very difficult to entice people to join a UN because people often see it as some sort of alliance. And even when you do create a UN, even you know the question of, okay, well, where will our United Nations headquarters be is impossible to answer because every nation believes that their version or, 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 or that, that, that their city is best suited, et cetera, et cetera. And so whenever the, the idea of a UN is brought up, whether in-game, on Discord, or on the subreddit, everyone says, you know what, kid, move on, yeah. you know, <laughs> because everyone knows that it's one of those ideas, and, you know, and, and, and 10 nations will join or 20 nations will join, but there'll be another 30 who don't. And, and then you end up creating an alliance. That, that's not a United Nations. That, that's a small portion of the nations that happen to be united, but it's in no way a United Nations. So I think that that's one project that until now, we haven't been able to, to, to fully succeed in. Imagine just after this episode, you're like, hey, Alex, I've done it. I'm like, what? Oh, right after this well, episode? Then we can do a part two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Welcome to Time for Your Hobby. Now we're talking about the United Nations and Minecraft. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Imagine this is like a tower in the sky, high in the sky, and every nation has a portal that leads straight to it. So it's like a neutral perfect. ground. Yes, or, or a rail line going in or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that could be pretty stressful to try to organize. So on that note, uh, has playing Minecraft world building servers ever stressed you out? I'm going to go with no. The reason that answer is so simple is because I firmly believe, and I'm sure that many people disagree, but as soon as a game starts stressing you out, you should stop playing. So if I were to log on one day and realize, actually, I don't really enjoy playing in the city, I don't really enjoy playing on the server, I would just quit. Because what's the point? You know, why, why would I spend, I don't know, two hours on a Friday night you know, playing with friends on a server that I don't enjoy? Now, of course, that doesn't mean that no one has ever been stressed on these servers. Because if you've built up this city, you know, and you have an alliance or whatever, and the alliance turns on you and starts invading the city, I can't imagine that that's rather stressful. But of course, just like in Game of Thrones or, or Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or whatever you want to quote, you need to make sure that your alliances are strong, that your army is well-equipped, that your nations are well-defended. And if you do that, and if you genuinely invest time in that, I think you know, you're able to avoid most stressful situations. Now, if you're one of the nations involved in the Northern Infinity War, you know, that, that's tough to get out of. And I can't imagine that that's stressful. But as soon as a game becomes stressful for the long term, I think you should, you should stop playing. And so far, I've not experienced that. So there you go. Good, good. And if there ever, if it ever does happen, you don't have to stop the game completely. You can st take a step back, play, stop playing for a few minutes, hours, exactly. days, weeks, years, centuries, exactly. millennials. Exactly. <laughs> and you can always tell someone else to take over your game or to, or to take over your city, you know. Cause it, so, so I'm currently leader of a city. But if I decided one day, actually, this isn't for me, you know, I could always appoint someone else or hold a referendum or elections or anything you do in the game is totally up to you. You know, if you start a company, you decide, actually, this is quite stressful, just stop supplying products, you know, just empty your shops for a while, go explore the world. So, so that, that's another advantage compared to real life, where if you, you're stuck in a job in real life, it's not like you could just quit and go travel the world. I mean, you could if you have the money, I guess. But in, in Minecraft and in these servers, you can quit, you can you know, renounce your citizenship, you can move to another country and completely reinvent yourself. Uh, and this is another odd question, and probably horrible timing the way I'm asking it, but do diseases, viruses, illnesses, sickness exist in these servers? And if not, would you want that? Like, let's say one day, oh, my character has diarrhea, I can't go to work for this amount of time, I have to go to the washroom kind of thing. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> it would certainly be interesting whether I, I want it, I don't know. Um, I mean, <laughs> there has been servers in the past, and I, I know I used to play on a server called Civilization Experiment, which was kind of a precursor of this server, which no longer exists. And there they did have uh, the temperature plugin that we spoke of before, that when you go to the desert, you should take off armor. If you're on the desert and you you get too hot, you will get, you know, I think it was called heat sickness, you know, and your, your screen starts moving and you become nauseous and you walk slower and you will eventually die. So to that extent, yes. Um, other than that, on, on the current iteration of Civ Classics, that doesn't exist. The, the only thing that exists, which I can think of, is that when you drink the in-game alcohol, when you have too much, uh, your words will start slurring, your screen will start moving. And if you drink too much, you actually get logged out, which is supposed to reflect, I guess, passing out. Uh, and you won't be able to log in for five minutes or so. But, but that's the to the fullest extent. If I'm not mistaken, there's also food poisoning. And just imagine if you eat something bad and for, let's say, 30 minutes, you cannot sit up straight. You have to like crouch because you're holding your gut. Gosh, imagine, <laughs> imagine. And then and you just fed your entire army and then the enemy attacks and you'll have diarrhea. Yeah. You see everybody just crouching like, oh, and their face turns green. It's like, what is it? Are they okay? 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> and that's it. And then you lose your nation. <laughs> Dude is a bad chicken. <laughs> and now to switch over to another topic. Uh, what are some misconceptions about people who play in Minecraft world building servers? If I had to choose one, I think it's the, the, the misconception that most people who play here are either young, naive, or to quote online comments by, by people that I, I, I see, not, not particularly related to me, but just in general, you know, sweaty nerds, as they like to call them. I think in general, if you look at a server like ours, it's just, you know, they're, they're just average girls and guys, guys and girls, I should say. They're, they're, they're people who are, you know, I, I've met people on the server who are students, who are younger than that. There was even a nation... Um, an iteration back, which was a nation of plumbers. It was literally a bunch of 30-year-old, 40-year-old guys who all worked for the same plumbing business, and they started their own nation online, on our server. So I, I think if I had to choose one misconception, it's the idea that anyone who plays on this server belongs to a particular group. Because I think that you know a range of ethnicities are present, a range of nationalities are present, um, a range of genders are present, and a range of uh, ages are present. You know, e Even just scheduling an event on the server, whether it's an Olympic event or whether it's, you know, uh, inviting people to, to join you in an embassy event, it's always a struggle because there are so many people from different time zones in real life, whether they're American or Australian or European or Asian. And I, I think that, you know, while time zones are annoying, that's a good thing because it shows you that the overall population of the server is diverse. People have diverse ideas. And, and you know, and the server allows you to investigate ideas which are very different to your own. You know, whether you join the nation based on the philosophy that's very close to your heart or very different, this is the server where you can explore that. And you mentioned Olympic events. Now, that led me to think, do different people have different skill sets? Some people are faster. Some people can jump higher. Some people can craft faster. Or is it just everybody has the same skill set? So uh, as per standard vanilla Minecraft, you know, everyone can jump the same height and everyone can, can run the same distance, etc. But a lot of Olympic events are based on sports, quote unquote, that are actually relatively skill-based. So for example, one of the events that, that is usually held when there is an Olympics, which happens you know every few months, and it's usually hosted by a different city, there'll be a PvP event where two players go against each other in the arena. Now at the end of the day, obviously, it's just, you know, you use your WASD keys and you left click to attack someone. But there is some sort of tactic as to when you should drink your potions, what weapons you should use, how often you should click. I, I wouldn't call it pure skill, but it is the case that PVPers who play on the server do go onto PVP servers and quote-unquote train. Now, I've never trained. I, I don't see, I don't know how how useful it is, but in these sort of events that does happen, and, and, and there are other games in Minecraft, such as the classic Spleef, which is when you stand on a platform made of snow, um, each contender has a shovel, and the objective is to dig the snow, but beneath the other player as they run around. Again, that isn't particularly skillful and, you know, it's not based on muscle mass. But at the end of the day, if you are more tactical in how you move around and, you know, which blocks you 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 dig, I think skill does play a certain part in that. You know, when, when Olympics are repeated, you will often see the same names on the podium. So yes, there is a level of skill. And there's also team activities, let's say football or... Anything like that? So what we do is a lot of activities on the server are based on PvP. But when you kill someone in a player versus player combat and you don't have a pearl in your hotbar, you don't imprison them. So you can actually have friendly matches. So two weeks ago in Passem, we had the we hosted the Passem War Games, where around 20 players from around the server arrived. And we had a team deathmatch and we had a capture the flag event and we had a king of the hill event. 
And so we used some of the mechanics in game and to to create these three events, like you have in, I guess, Call of Duty or Battlefield, etc. And um, and and then we worked in teams. So there was a yellow team and a red team, and they worked together to achieve the objective. And you know, there's a referee, etc. And then the next day, in the Liberty Gazette, the newspaper that we published, we published the winners and the 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 the, the, the teams and the representatives and where they came from, etc. So yes, there's definitely team activities, and also when people go to the Olympics, they play for their country, and there's usually a a medal count, and you know. Often large countries will do better as is in real life, but you know, small countries that specialize in certain skills will also do well. So yes. I, I could just imagine in one person, a couple reading the newspapers like, oh look, honey, John, and one again. What a yeah. surprise. <laughs> there he is. Yeah. <laughs> there he is. Classic John winning all the events and then bragging about it. <laughs> and uh, so another thing, this is also really random, but because uh, Minecraft is still developing, still adding new things every single day or every single once in a while. Is there something in the Minecraft world you wish they added that they don't have yet? Gosh, you are asking very difficult questions. Um, <laughs> let me think. Um, you know, I'm going to go with no. I, I, I actually think, and again, this goes against popular belief, that the game in many ways has become too complicated. I, I think a lot of the additions recently have been good. You know, we, we got oceans. Well, we already had oceans, but oceans are now filled with coral and fish, etc. And, and there, there's a new nether update coming up. I think all of those additions are fine. On the other hand, though, I'm hearing from a few players, and especially in reference to the server, updating these plugins and modifications to the game and the server as a whole, every time there's an update is very difficult. So we only just updated to the second to last version that was released. So we're now one version behind. And, you know, and, and, and the, the, the level of update seems to be increasing. So it's very difficult to keep up in many ways. And especially if you're a, a mod designer or if you're a plugin designer or if you host a, a, a specialist server like Civ Classics, it's quite difficult to keep up. I, I think the game has everything it needs. And I think that if you think that certain things are missing, I'm sure that there's a mod out there or a server which hosts certain plugins which can fill that gap. So I'm going to go with no on that one. And uh, this is also very odd, but would AI be something that you'd be like, ooh, that'd be cool. Like, let's say a self-driving plane that'd be added to the thing or a boat that would navigate and also avoid stuff. Just anything with AI technology, that'd be pretty cool. I don't know, from my end, just to implement that into Minecraft. But I don't know, if, would that be something ideal if you'd like it or no? So, so actually, in a way, that is already the case on the server now. So uh, it, it's not quite AI, but on the server, you're allowed to have multiple accounts. So you can log in on your main account. You can buy another account. I don't know, get an account from a friend, whatever. And you can log in on that secondary account. Now, while it's pretty much impossible to play with two keyboards at the same time, what you can do is you can use the other account as what's known as a bot, like, like a robot. And you can give it a script to run. So for example, what's very popular in many cities, including my own, is that you have some accounts which do all the farming. So you create a square field, you create a code, and you tell the bots to go over the square field, harvest all the crops, and replant them. Almost like you have, you know, I guess, peasants or, or laborers in medieval Europe. Now, there are certain restrictions on these bots. So the main restriction is that they have to be, quote unquote, blind. They, they can't look at a block and know what it is. So you can only tell them, you know, walk forward 10 blocks rather than walk forward until you see a rose bush. So in, it's very limited in the sense that they'll never be able to become like combat bots because they'll never be able to see the enemy unless you tell them to randomly hit in a circle every 10 seconds, uh, which I don't think would be great for city defense, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so wh while it's not quite artificial intelligence, it's, you know, it, it's coded in. 
Would artificial intelligence be interesting? I, I think it would be because I think it would be very interesting to have a server where you could actually have a huge amount of people online. Now, ideally, if we were living in a perfect world, I'd host one of these servers and or, or someone else would, and there would be a thousand people online, you know, and then you could actually have cities with hundreds of people in them. Now, obviously, that, that doesn't happen because communities are, for all, are usually quite small and, and you know, and, and, and humans need to sleep, etc. But if there was a way to have artificial intelligence and actually have, in a sense, fake players walking around all day, actually having a thousand people online who behave like, like normal humans would, I think that would be interesting because you, you would be, again, able to reflect the real world more. But I think it's going to be a while before we're able to actually replicate human behavior in such a way. But, but should it be possible? Absolutely. So Minecraft, if you were listening to this right now, you know, there's an idea from yeah, there uh, both, you go. From both yeah. of us. <laughs> we wouldn't say no, right? No, no, no. No, absolutely not. <laughs> and uh, what has playing Minecraft world building servers taught you in life? Now, that's a pretty tough question. Never to trust anyone who says, trust me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a relatively trustworthy person, but as soon as people say, oh, trust me, you know, oh, then you know something's going to happen. So I think that that would be my moral of the story. Never trust anyone who says, trust me. Because again, look, in real life, it's highly unlikely, well, depending on where you live, I guess, that you know, one day your friend's going to turn around and backstab you to take over your shop in the center of town. I highly doubt that will happen. But to an extent, you know, one has to remember that people will often act in their self-interest, which is fine, but you have to be aware of that. And to, you know, to care for others, but to also make sure that, that you're doing well, whether you're running a small business in Minecraft or whether you're competing against other businesses in real life. Now, here's a trick question for you. If I came up to you and you told me to do something and I said, trust me, I will mess this up. Now, do you trust it or you don't trust it? Um, <laughs> I guess I would trust you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it, was a, it was a trick question. There was no easy answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in this hobby? Yes, absolutely. If you're interested, there, there, there's three simple steps to do. One, go on to the subreddit. Again, r slash civclassics. Read some information. Go on to the Wikipedia page and actually, or, or wiki page, I should say, and actually read some information about the server and familiarize familiarize yourself with some nations and, and things you'd be interested in. Then step two is to log on and to join one of these nations and to actually experience what it's like. And then step three is to one day start your own nation. So that would be my advice. That's the timeline. To come online, check it out, see what it's all about, join, and then just do it. Does the imagination already exist? I know that was a cheesy pun. <laughs> Gosh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, I'm just full of horrible, horrible cheesy puns. I'm just, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not even sorry. I'm not even sorry at this point. I've, yeah, I, I'm proud of it. I'm going to own it up. <laughs> there you go. I'm glad you are. And so we talked about this at the beginning of the episode, but I'll ask it again. Do you have any social media links, websites, links, or projects that you're working on that you would love people to come support? Um, so so I, I think that the one project that I would, I would love some support on is the Liberty Gazette, which is released on a weekly basis on the Civ Classic subreddit. It's the newspaper that we where we try to cover world events and events in our city of Passem. So if anyone on Reddit would like to have a look at that, just go to Civ Classics, type in Liberty Gazette in the subreddit search bar, and it will be there. And, you know, some comments or upvotes or, or general interest would be appreciated. And anyone who likes the server... I think the, the, the best form of action is to just log on. And you know what? I'll make this even easier for them. They don't have to type it in. They can just click the link below. Boom. Perfect. Look at that. There you, we go. You only have to use one hand. The other hand can be used to, I don't know, shake Play a... Play Minecraft. Yes, there, there we, we go. go. <laughs> yes. I was going to say shake a coffee mug. I don't know why would someone do that, but also yes. Also works. <laughs> 
And now for the last question, do you have any questions for me about playing Minecraft or even a Minecraft world building server? Gosh, well, can I expect to see you online is, I guess, the main question. Uh, as of now, it might be quite a while because there's a few things happening in my life that might slow down a few things. But Of course, of course. <laughs> but if I, I always enjoyed Minecraft and uh, I would love to get it. I mean, get I mean, get back into it because my friends and I used to play it a lot. We tried to build our own server, but it, the way that you explained it sounds so much more interesting than the way we did it. And it's time consuming, but in a good way. And you can look back at exactly. it and like, cool, I built this. So people are actually admiring it. And I'm going to definitely, like after this episode, I'm going to share this with my friends and we might get back into it. I don't know. Just Fantastic. It's, Perfect. That's good peer pressure, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The good kind. Yeah. Perfect. So uh, there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you so much to Tim for just coming on and just sharing everything. Hopefully I pronounced your name right. I, I've been worried. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, if you guys want to learn more about Shatim, you can go just check him out in the link below. You don't have to type anything. You can just click and then everything will be there. If you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you like the podcast, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere, you know, on the internet, even on Yahoo Reviews. I don't know if that's a thing anymore, but yes. And uh, if you want to show even more support, I sell merchandise on Redbubble and I have a Patreon. Once again, these are all optional. You don't have to do it, but it's there if you want to. So once again, thank you so much to Tim. Thank you very much for having me. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. <laughs>